Hi and welcome. This is Laurent from OSINJobs.com and you're listening to the OSINT Jobs Podcast. OSINT has grown hugely in popularity and so it's no surprise that it's being used across many industries. On this show, I sit down with successful practitioners to discuss careers, jobs and skills to get a deeper insight into the world of OSINT. In today's episode, we are talking to Jovan Radakovic, who is the head of the OSINT department at a private sector boutique intelligence company called Brasidas Group. Today's topic, the world of business intelligence. So we'll dive deeper into what it's all about, what skills you would need in case you want to work there. And of course, we'll also talk about Jovan's unique career story which he already shared on our blog. So without further ado, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Jovan. Thank you for having me. So let me begin this interview with the first question, which is about the industry. So can you explain to us what is business intelligence? Okay, so my objective today is basically to give you an understanding of value of intelligence collection in the corporate sector. It's also a great opportunity uh, to demystify business intelligence as this is an industry that's uh, actually an integral part of identifying red flags and understanding what business deals can go sour and why. Uh, Frequently, uh, the industry is uh, compared, when you say business intelligence, people think of James Bond. Uh, there are pa parallels uh, and similarities in the way intelligence is collected, but uh, what is different uh, is actually uh, how the intelligence is used. So while governments use it to define national strategies and geopolitical goals, uh, in business intelligence, uh, what we do is actually help companies uh, understand the opportunities and challenges in certain markets, in certain uh, business deals. Okay, so is it fair to say when we talk about business intelligence, and, and I've come across this term uh, numerous times, especially when looking for OSINT jobs, that it's about understanding the business, understanding the context, and to support and help decision makers in that business to, to make an informed decision? Yes, uh, definitely. And what I would like to add is uh, when I was looking at business intelligence a few years back, as I've been in the industry, so this is my seventh year now, uh, what would come up is usually uh, quantitative business intelligence. So it's, uh, it's where companies are using uh, large volumes of data uh, to extract patterns. Uh, what we're talking about today is more uh, on the side of uh, qualitative business intelligence, so which means, yeah, so it's about uh, collecting facts, analyzing them and putting them in the right context in order for a client to make an informed decision. You mentioned something important here and I just want to highlight it. So when we talk about business intelligence, there are broadly speaking two types. So you mentioned quantitative business intelligence. So this is about, you know, using large volumes of data to extract patterns, as you mentioned, but there's also the qualitative side, which we are talking about today. So what is it that you do as a business intelligence analyst? So 
what we do in this industry is it's not that different to what people do every day. So uh, if you look at, for example, our bank, before they give out a loan, they have to uh, do some screening of the individual that they are handing out this loan to. Is Was his credit worthiness? Has he had some financial issues in the past? Also, when people are hiring, so HR departments, when they're hiring a person, you need to do uh, some kind of a background check in order to know what to expect. What we say in my company uh, is uh, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail, basically. And what we do here is um, we try to collect as many facts as possible about a certain topic that's of interest to the client. And what we'll do is we'll analyze it and answer the questions of why and what if in order for the client to have an understanding and be prepared on what the future might bring. The client is key in business intelligence. So from what we just discussed earlier, business intelligence is about helping the decision maker to make a better and informed decision, whatever the question may be. But one thing I want to highlight here is that that the direction comes from the client. And this is very important to understand in OSINT or intelligence in general, that there needs to be some direction. So coming back to business intelligence, you also mentioned that it's about helping the client to understand uh, and be prepared for something that might happen in the future. Can you just give us uh, an example? So, I mean, some of the, maybe what's most recent that we should discuss is the situation in Ukraine. So that didn't really happen overnight. And what's interesting about Ukraine is that we're not talking about a third world country in a remote jurisdiction. Uh, we are talking about a country that's basically in the in Europe, uh, where a lot of German, uh, a lot of French, a lot of UK businesses have interests, you know. So, and the situation that we have at hand now is what is going to happen with their investments and with their businesses there. So, what we'll do and as I said, it didn't really happen overnight. So what we would be doing already uh, is uh, start to collect open source intelligence on certain events that might shed light into the future. So where was, uh, so we see now Wagner moving to Ukraine. So that again, didn't happen overnight. There, there were flights, there was some sort of activity going on around Ukraine. And uh, once you start collecting that and processing that, you are then able to find the snippets of information that can give you some insight into the future. That will be more on the geopolitical aspect on, on a more. So if you're vetting someone, so let's say you're onboarding someone or you want to go into a business deal with someone, it's not going to be published on a billboard that this person is a money launderer, that this person is involved with some sanctions. What what what's actually very interesting and what always draws me to this job uh, and why I have passion for it is that you have to look at certain indicators outside what's on the first page of Google, let's say. So if you're looking at someone uh, who you might be suspe suspecting is involved in money laundering and you're looking to onboard this person as a client, uh, let's say a large financial institution, you look at the industry, you'll see, okay, so if the person has, let's say a rental car business, is this a cash intensive business? Where is it located? What is the... Uh, rule of law in that country. So there are always these little pieces of information that once you contextualize them, you can get a picture of what this person, what this person's goal is.
So is it fair to summarize business intelligence is about supporting decision makers and making the best decision. And the decision can be anything from either entering a new deal with someone or just, you know, having this situational awareness of what is going on at the moment and how could this impact my business? Yes, absolutely. And we have in my company a, a very nice uh, comparison to the miner's job, you know. So if you look at someone who is working on like my, in mine fields, uh, at first glance, that seems like a very dangerous job, but it's actually one of, it's on the safer side. And one of the key reasons why it's on the safer side is because these people will prepare extensively, they'll collect intelligence, they'll analyze the information, develop a strategy and checklist that they will follow, and eventually they are flexible to adjust as needed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so can you tell me a little bit about the, the career path? So for someone who says, and who's just listening and says, this sounds interesting, maybe I should give it a try and I want to work in this industry. So. What does a typical day look like as a business intelligence analyst? Yes, uh, so my work, I'm also, we'll talk about that a bit later. I'm also involved in uh, uh, quantitative and qualitative, but so purely quantitative, uh, purely qualitative, sorry. Uh, uh, how it's going to look like is the client will come to you about a certain topic and you're, you'll have to leverage your knowledge base and expertise on certain things to uh, First, you'll need to prepare a scope and agree on the client what they exactly want. This is one of the big things in this industry is managing these expectations because you'll have some wild ideas where the client is coming to you and saying, can you get like this satellite to record this? It doesn't really work like that, you know? So you really need to be clear and upfront like with the client on what they actually want. Once that is done, you will begin your collection process Following that, you'll begin your analysis. And in the meantime, you're going to build hypotheses. So I'll, I'll start building hypotheses on the first day. Uh, and throughout the investigation, I will be testing it to see, okay, what if this happened? What if that happened? I'm going to ask colleagues. We're going to play devil's advocate, play blue and red team okay. to see how to challenge the hypothesis. So maybe we can also dive deeper into this later in the skill section. But you also mentioned it. So for our listeners, we published his career interview on our blog. So you can read more about what he was saying in terms of what skills an analyst would need. But you mentioned here these different analytical techniques, devil's advocates, red and blue team. So it, when, we, when we talk about analysis, and I find this very important to, to highlight, that OSINT is not just about using some fancy techniques to uncover something, but it's more about the analysis. And analysis is also quite difficult especially when you have incomplete information. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, so when, when I was looking at uh, OSINT uh, in 2015, when I was starting in Brasidas group, uh, I would come across all of these platforms like Shodan and like for analysis of IP addresses. But uh, to be completely honest with you, uh, there were times when I only had a phone and I had Google in front of me, you know, and this is what what's interesting about this job is that you will have to be resor resourceful to find and collect certain pieces of data that once an analyzed will give like a coherent story about a certain event or a business. And deal. there's also one interesting theme that has come through, through these interviews with practitioners, which is awesome tools, techniques, and tips and tricks are all great. They're all very important and we need it. But when it comes to, you know, delivering something, delivering a product to a client, um, you don't necessarily, or you don't have the time to try this technique 
and find this very interesting piece because at the end of the day, it's about being very efficient and effective. There's time pressure. And even though you uncovered an interesting LinkedIn profile or an email address for this particular task, it's irrelevant. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so one of the things in this industry is that you're all, always working under uh, time constraints and it's a, a high paced industry and it's not really for, let's say, the faint of heart, but it's not really for people who can't uh, take pressure. You know, you will have 10 to 15 working days to collect information on, uh, let's say, an individual or a company in a remote jurisdiction where you might not necessarily know the language and uh, uh, you'll have to be resourceful in that way to maximize every day of your research to build up this story. And so I, I would also mention here when we are talking about clients and talking about the industry in general, it's also how you present intelligence. I think that's a big aspect that uh, people need to understand is that, uh, albeit we are problem solvers for the clients, uh, our job is not really to make a decision for the client. What my job is to uh, find information, analyze it and to report it in a neutral way. So that once reading the report, the client can make their own decision on how they want to proceed and if the risk outweighs the benefit of the certain deal, let's say. Yeah. So let me just quickly summarize what we've discussed so far. So the first section is all about this industry, industry of business intelligence. And you explained to us at the beginning that we have two um, broad um, categories or areas, which is mm -hmm. the qualitative side, uh, which mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, right now but also the quantitative side. Mm -hmm. Focusing on the qualitative side, you know, business intelligence at the end of the day, it's about uh, solving a problem for a client. It's mm -hmm. about supporting and helping them to make the best decision. Mm -hmm. And it's also about presenting the, the information or the, the intelligence that mm -hmm. you produce at the end in a very objective way yep. and in also in a concise way, right? A report that is neutral. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, you, you could write, I don't know, a 500, uh, 500 page report on a certain topic, but the client will not necessarily want to read that. That's why there are concepts like bluff, bottom line upfront, where you're trying to maximize every single, every single page of the report and every single idea uh, that you are showcasing to the client. Awesome. Now, I think it's time to move on to the skill section, mm -hmm. which is about identifying the required skills for mm -hmm. someone who wants to be successful as a business intelligence analyst. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned a couple of skills in the interview mm -hmm. on the blog. And as I said, you can find it on ozinjobs.com so you can browse through. And I will just highlight a couple of things that you mentioned. Maybe you can just elaborate on it. Mm -hmm. So in your view, you mentioned top skills or attributes to mm -hmm. become successful is a, the investigative mindset, mindset, uh, writing capabilities and cognitive bias. So maybe you can touch up on these points. Yeah. So uh, before that, what I would tell to anyone who is looking to get involved in this industry is don't really bother with all of the OSINT techniques that include uh, some complex software or stuff like that. So stick, uh, stick to the basics, uh, learn different search engines, uh, learn how to use, the, use them, learn what building blocks technique is and how to build um, search strings and also uh, how to work uh, and how to investigate certain topics in non-English speaking countries or let's say non-native in that case. And lastly, uh, uh, understand where the information is coming from and how to um, qualify and validate a source of information. Um, 
I think that uh, we saw that during COVID where we had the uh, dolphins in Venice in Italy. Um, I mean, that also touches on to the bias thing, but uh, you, once you get a piece of information, uh, you do need to find uh, uh, what source is it coming from. So, and to progress more into the, what we said about the uh, investigative mindset, I would say that that's being resourceful. That's what we mentioned, you know, sometimes you'll only have Google and you'll have a phone, you know, and you will have to find what are the certain indicators around a specific business, around a specific person or an event that will shed light into what you're looking into. So just to quickly recap on what we said, you're trying to figure out if someone is uh, involved in money laundering, but the person is low profile and the company, it only has an address and it's a rental car business. Uh, you what, what a skilled OSINT analyst would then do is go and see, okay, where is it located? Is there something in vicinity? Can I give a, a phone call to someone in the area just to check if the business is indeed located there? Um, uh, how is the rental car in this industry in this country? Uh, is it used for money laundering? So that's when we talk about investigative mindset, that's what I mean specifically. And then we, we go on to the writing uh, aspect of it. So uh, as we mentioned, uh, you don't really have that much time to investigate things, let alone to write uh, a huge report about it. And on top of that, the client is not really interested in reading something and is not really interested in reading an opinion article in this case. So you do need to uh, uh, invest in some writing courses uh, where you are presenting the information in a coherent way and in a new way that will not steer the client's opinion about a certain topic or an event. And uh, lastly, something that I had to go through uh, in my career and personally struggled with are cognitive biases. Uh, I, I would see a piece of information and I would start to follow up on, on certain leads. And uh, uh, what I came to find out is uh, uh, using internet, you can basically support any argument you want. So if you are like against vaccines, you can find like some supportive arguments. If you are like against, I don't know, dolphins in Venice, I'm sure that there's a bunch of articles where people have wrote about that, you know. So in, in that case, you need to understand what uh, triggers you emotionally. And I actually worked with, uh, with psychologists to figure out why I'm falling for certain theories. And what I came to find out is that it's the aha moment when you're doing an investigation. When you have that moment, aha, I figured it out. That's when you start slipping into bias and that's when you start, it's called uh, searching for answers. So yeah. it's, a, it's a very important point, cognitive biases. I think I, I've come across a chart that tried to capture all possible cognitive biases that exist. And I think it was something around like 180 or something, but there are so many like confirmation bias as well that, that you already have the tendency to, you know, to just select those pieces of information that support your hypothesis. And then you automatically disregard anything else, which is of course wrong. That's why you have the structured analytic techniques. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I, working with my colleagues uh, to, to whom I'm really thankful for that uh, is uh, I, I was asking them, why do you think I fall into a bias, especially the editors reading the certain, some reports, you know, and, and I came to realize that like building hypothesis onto hypothesis can really lead into bias. So if you are building a hypothesis where you don't have that much evidence and in this industry, you don't really have like 
a billboard saying this guy's a money launderer, you can start slipping into confirming certain ideas that might not be based on any sort of evidence, but just a thought in your head. Yeah, no, these are very good points. And I also wanted to quickly follow up on something else. So this is like the OSIN side. I mean, that's, that's kind of clear, like the investigative mindset and depending on the task, you would use different techniques to find that information. But then when it comes to the analysis bits, um, you also highlighted very important points like the cognitive biases that exist. Um, but how about other, other skills when we talk about anti-money laundering? Um, what about the regulations and what about other things that one would need to know about? And it's not OSINT related and it's not necessarily like the fun, the fun part, you know, um, like laws and regulations. This is also very important to know about, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the key things that uh, especially financial institutions will screen against is a sanctions list. And uh, uh, on top of that, uh, terrorism financing, and there are these especially like, designated nationals. And I think that, uh, uh, albeit some people might skip that, or uh, of course, you're going to screen against that, but like understanding that is a huge part of this. And uh, uh, it, it's a growing industry. And I heard the talks that, uh, so like we have like ICIJ, that there is going to be an international court that's actually going to deal uh, with uh, individuals uh, that uh, are uh, destabilizing democratic systems and who have been accused of corruption. So similar, like you had, like after the 1990s, when you had the Hague going against the war criminals in Yugoslavia, uh, you are going to, and actually Balkan will again, most likely be the pilot project for that. You're going to have the international community going against individuals that have been destabilizing uh, certain democracies. And that's why we saw an increase in sanctions um, in, uh, in Kosovo and in Bosnia in the past month or so. So understanding what that means for uh, for your client and what it means to be working with these people is a huge part of this. And on top of that, uh, the client most likely will not come in direct contact with this individual, but this is going to go through several proxies. But at the end of the day, the uh, international regulations and OFAC, they're becoming so far reaching that it's even third parties that do not necessarily have to do anything with these individuals that will pay fines only because they did not uh, conduct uh, enhanced due diligence to understand who they are dealing with in these areas. So it's fair to say that when working in business intelligence or if someone wants to pursue a career in business intelligence, it's not just about these OSINT techniques and what you just described, but it's also about learning about the regulations, but also understanding how businesses work and how money flows within businesses and probably also certain terms that not everyone is familiar with, I guess. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in most cases, what my company, so Brasas Group, what we deal with is mainly hard to navigate jurisdictions. And this is where you'll have most of your clients uh, and you, you'll need to understand some political context and uh, some certain sanctions busting mechanisms used by these people uh, in order to uh, access the global financial system. But what's interesting about that, I would just like to mention this, like from my experience in the past seven years, I always expected that uh, that you'll come across like most like, let's say malicious and like bad actors in these like remote jurisdictions. But I 
kind of noticed that it's more and more in Europe where people are not screening uh, f against like fraud and uh, money laundering and are being, let's say, sweet talked into entering certain financial deals that actually uh, turn out to go sour. And we do, we have had several asset tracing investigations where the clients came to us completely open. Look, we didn't, we didn't do enough due diligence into this person. Turns out that our money is missing now. So, yeah. And then it's up to you to figure out where that money went. And then you have to start screening who that person is. What is his network of connections? Where are they moving? Where are they living? Uh, where are they traveling? And what's interesting is uh, uh, all of this information is available because people will just post stuff online on their own, you know? So you'll have... Um, so you'll have someone's wife posting that they bought a house somewhere and it's uh, it was actually bought with the client's money. So okay. just an wow. example. Yeah. Now that this is a really interesting area and in industry that requires, as we just discussed, different skill sets. So not just the OSINT bit is important here, but um, also understanding uh, the political context and many other things that are very important. Before we then um, close this interview, I wanted to also talk about your career. I mean, on the blog post, and this is for, for you to read for the listeners, you explained how you uh, went about starting your career, but maybe you can just quickly summarize it and give some advice and tips to someone who wants to pursue a similar career in business intelligence. So how did you start and what would you recommend? So I started working for a local government authority and uh, running uh, free trade zones in Serbia. Uh, I actually wanted to help foreign clients invest their money in Serbia. And what I also came to realize is that there are a lot of bad actors running around different jurisdictions trying to defraud governments. Uh, that's how I got into uh, due diligence and enhanced due diligence. And I actually landed a job with Brasidas in 2015. And I first uh, started working as a human analyst. So I was analyzing and collecting human intelligence. And then after, I think, three years ago of doing solely that and a bit of OSINT, I kind of switched more into the OSINT aspect of it. And one of the most involved projects for me is uh, building this um, early warning red flag system about sanctioned individuals and individuals that are likely to commit IP theft, where I can't really tell the McDonald's Big Mac sauce now, but what I figured out is uh, uh, what are certain parameters and aspects uh, that once collected will flag a certain individual, like this person is likely to commit this, so. Okay, and yeah, and um, you know, for someone who wants to, to start a career, like are there any tips uh, that you would have? Uh, well, yes, I mean, start from the basics, as I said, I keep repeating that, but I mean, don't stress too much about uh, cyber aspects of it. And uh, of course, you, you should always hire like a cybersecurity expert just to give you an idea of how to conduct certain searches safely. That's a topic that we didn't cover, but we can do it on a different uh, in a different podcast. Uh, but yeah, and uh, start networking, I guess. I mean, uh, Twitter, I mean, I just started like I was kind of working uh, offline uh, but uh, in the past few months i started becoming more and more active and following people on twitter and linkedin and ask questions i mean don't be shy to reach out to someone and ask for a tip yeah. so i totally agree with you that's a really good advice reaching out to people reaching out to people in the industry and then just ask them 
What is it that you do? Can you recommend something? Because sometimes these people are looking for interns or want to help you as well. And then they put you in contact with someone who's hiring. So uh, this is a really good point here um, that you're making. And I also encourage everyone who wants to, you know, follow up on a few things that we discussed here to reach out to Jovan. I will put all his links into the show notes and make sure to follow him on LinkedIn. And as I said, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out and just ask. Yeah, that's it. So Jovan, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. And uh, yeah, much appreciated. Thank you. Hey, thank you. And I think that this is a great initiative. I think that OSINT is something that's the future and the jump in while the community is still small. So let's make something great. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And to all of our listeners, I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Jovan. And if so, I'd be super happy if you could leave us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts because this would help us a lot and would also support the show. So thanks so much for tuning in and uh, see you next time.